Hey, what is happening, Collective Why? Hey, you guys doing well tonight? Yeah? Gosh, man, the Spirit of God is moving so heavily over this space tonight. I, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful we serve a God who is faithful even in the midst of our failure. Amen? That is so, such a powerful truth. Hey, we're just getting started for tonight. We got a great night for you guys tonight, and uh, we have a special treat for you. Um, I asked somebody who is technically like a brother to me. I would call him my best friend, but he's closer than that. This individual asked to come speak tonight and share because he is somebody who not only speaks about the heart of Jesus, but displays through how God has made him the heart of Jesus. And I, and I felt that it was just necessary to have him come share tonight with what the Lord has placed on his heart. So please give a warm, collective YA welcome to my best friend, Santi Yanez. Woo! Well, hey guys, how are you doing today? Hey James, how are you? So, if you don't know, um, I am, hold on, I'm going to start over. My name's Santi, it's super good to meet you guys. Um, I know some of you, I see some of you guys, you actually show up on Thursday nights to Spectrum. I get the wonderful opportunity to teach and lead the youth and middle school at Calvary Church. Um, and... Uh, I freaking love it, but when Nick asked me to teach here, I was super stoked because um, I know just how much of an awesome community that this place is, okay? Like genuinely, Nick and Sky's heart is just to create a space for you guys to have a place to belong, a place to learn about Jesus, a place to be like who you are and kind of just meet Jesus with whatever you've got. And they are so good at pastoring you guys. So I wanted to thank them for giving me the opportunity and allowing me to be able to, uh, to teach you guys. Um, but anyways, a little bit about myself. I am 23. Like I said, I pastor Spectrum. Um, I have a beautiful wife, Avery. She's sitting right there. And, um, and yeah, I am I'm, I'm a dog father. That's my dog. His name's Kingsley. This is our, our first family photo together um, when we first got him. And then the next photo, uh, this is our dramatic, hey, we didn't have a baby, but here's, here's our dog announcement photo. Um, so that's Kingsley. He's awesome. He's a little bit grown now, and uh, he poops a lot. And uh, so we have to clean it up a lot, but he's cute, so it is okay. Um, anyways... Like I said, I'm 23, so I kind of graduated college not long ago. So I graduated college in the fall semester of 2020. So I'm just out of it. Um, you know, I still remember the days of, of typing up discussion board questions and, and uh, being exhausted and not really knowing what the heck is going on. And if you're in here tonight and you're currently doing discussion board, I just want to tell you this. There is life after that. Okay, there's life after pretending like you care about what someone else said on the internet, but really you're just trying to get a grade. Um, but anyways, as I was thinking about, about college and thinking about the time that I spent there, I couldn't help but think about this one thing that happened to me. And there was one day I had a class, I can't even remember which one it was, I think it was, it was like econ, um, like econ one, something like that. And, um, and I was sitting there in my class in Woodward Hall, and my keys had fallen out of my bag onto the floor. 
Now, you see, I didn't know that my keys fell out of my bag until I had already gone through like three or four classes. And I had taken the South Lot bus, the, the, the trek all the way back to my car. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I get there and I'm like, oh no, this is not a good thing. So I get back on the bus. I've had a full day. Um, I run back and I am, I am seeking for my keys. I'm looking high and low. I'm like tracing all my steps. I'm looking at every class that I had been to to look for these keys. Now, I wish I would have known that three years later, instead of, you know, spending all that time seeking and looking um, and like, you know, like money on getting my car unlocked and like getting my car towed and then like $300 on a new key and I don't even know why it costs so much money, that I could have just spent like 30 bucks three years later on an AirTag and I would have known that I had left my keys in Woodward. I would have gone, picked it up, and life would have been good. All that to say, I did not have an AirTag on it. So I had to run back to campus, and I was seeking. I wasn't just looking, right? I, was, I wasn't just kind of like walking around waiting for my keys to come to me. Like, oh, man, I wonder if just any key comes to me. I'll just try it in my car. No, I knew what I was looking for. I had to seek. I was looking high and low for my keys because if I didn't have my key, I wouldn't be able to get into my car. And I love the distinction between seeking and looking because seeking is the word that Jesus used when he came to look for the lost. He said that he came to seek and save the lost. And it means this. It, it didn't mean that he just kind of passively waits for people to come to us or come to him. He's not just like sitting in heaven like, hey, I'm just going to wait for you. Like you need to come to me. Jesus said this, he said that he came to seek and save the lost. So he left heaven and he came down to earth. And he looked high and low for me, for you, for the lost in this world. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about seeking the lost. And we're going to be reading in Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. So if you guys want to flip there, if you have your Bible, that's cool. If not, I believe they'll be on the screen. And if not, you can just close your eyes and just listen to it as I read it. Sound good? Cool. So let's start in verse 1, Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. Now a man named Zacchaeus was there. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to get a good look at Jesus. But being a short man, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. Because Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, because I must stay at your house today. So he came down quickly and welcomed Jesus joyfully. And when the people saw it, they all complained. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner? But Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, half of my possessions I now give to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone of anything, I am paying back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's go ahead and pray. 
God, I thank you so much for this passage. I thank you so much for this, um, this true story, Lord. I thank you that we can learn from this, that, that you came to seek us out. You're not content with just waiting for us to come to you. You came to find us. You show us here, Lord, that, that it, doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're liked a lot or if you're really disliked. You came to seek and save the lost. You came to seek us and people like us, Lord. Pray that you would show us something about your heart tonight, Lord. Pray that you would show us who you are. And um, that we would, just, we would just grow closer to you because of it. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, God. And in your name, amen. So Jesus is walking through this town called Jericho, right? He's walking through a town called Jericho, and then there's this group of people surrounding him. I'm imagining there's crowds. The whole city is coming to see Jesus. Because they hear of this man who came from this small town in Israel. And he said that he's, he's the Messiah. He's the Savior of Israel. He's the Savior of the Jews. And, and they hear stories that he can heal the blind. And he can bring dead people back to life. And he can even save people of their sin. So everyone in town, if I heard of somebody like this, I'd be like crowding around like central, you know what I mean? Like he's walking, he's like driving through. I'm like, dude, bro, I got to see this guy. But we find in the story that although there's a lot of people there, there's only one person that Jesus calls out and, and he ends up being saved. That's this man named Zacchaeus. And as I'm reading it, I couldn't help but ask this question is, what's different about Zacchaeus than everyone else in the story? Right? What's different about him? It says that he's the chief tax collector. So if you know about tax collectors, they were kind of the worst of the worst. They were people who um, had kind of disregarded Jewish society. They went to go work for the Roman government, who was, who was in control at the time. And they would take taxes from their fellow people. Now, the thing about the tax collectors that was ultimately bad was this. Was that even, they could, they could charge as much as they wanted and pocket the rest. So if the Roman tax was only like a dollar, but they wanted more money, they could charge $20. They could pocket the $19. So they were selling other people out for their own good. So what's different about Zacchaeus, this man who ultimately was the worst of the worst at the time? Seen as, as worse than, than a sinner. What's different about him? And, and, and we see later on in the passage is that he knows that he's lost. Zacchaeus knows that he's lost. He knows that even though he has everything, he has all of the money that he could ever want. Because if he needs more, he just charges more. <laughs> he just takes more and puts it in his pocket. He has everything that he could ever want. And yet still, the guilt that was inside of him wouldn't go away. It wouldn't go away. So he knows he's lost and he's looking for Jesus. He's looking for someone that can save him. But it's a really hard thing to know that you're lost. I think that's why Zacchaeus was the only one in the crowd, right? 
It's, it's, it's not easy to know that you're lost, especially when there's so much in the world that's trying to like pull your attention and tell you that you need to care about this and you need to care about that. Everyone says that college students are so self-centered, but when I was in college, everyone just told me this. They kept saying, hey, you need to go get a degree. You need to go make something of yourself so that way you can make money and you can live a good life. And I couldn't help but think, well, well, you're making everything on me. Why, why wouldn't I think that? And you need to care about this, and you need to care about that, and yet inside we all still feel lost. Because sin separates us from the person who created us, from the person who knows us the most, from the person who formed us to be exactly who we are. And sin separates us, so when we have that separation... We feel lost. And the world tells you, focus on this. Be distracted by that. Go get a career. Be a workaholic. Make more money. Well, you know, maybe if you just get that house, then you won't feel so lost anymore. Maybe if you just go, yeah, just go party one more time. It, it's going to make you feel better. But yet, none of these things help us to feel found. So it's not easy to know that you're lost because the world just keeps tossing distractions to you to make sure that you constantly stay lost because these things don't fulfill you. Because if you're lost in here, I'm telling you this is what you're looking for. It's not possessions. It's not things in this world. It's a reconnection with the person who created you. And Zacchaeus knew that he was missing something. Because no matter what he had, just because it glittered, it wasn't gold. And he still felt guilty on the inside. But if we know we're lost, we find this, we find like Zacchaeus... Hello. Hey, there we go. Like Zacchaeus, we start seeking. And when our paths cross with Jesus, we find this one fact. Is that he already knows your name. And he has been seeking for you the whole time. If you're in here and you feel lost... And none of the things that the world is telling you to look for is helping you feel found. Look for Jesus. Seek after him. And you'll find that he has been looking for you the whole time. And he knows your name. And he calls you by name. Imagine how happy Zacchaeus is. Somebody found him, right? He felt lost and somebody found him. And a lot of us in this room know that feeling of being found. Oh man, he saved us. He fulfilled us. That guilt that we had on our shoulders, he takes it off of us. He gives us eternal life and right standing with our creator. And we can't help 
but just feel better. We feel more energetic. We want to live differently. We want to turn from the thing that got us lost in the first place. And we're just excited. I was so excited when I first gave my life to the Lord. And I don't know if you've noticed this about yourself or just other humans, but when humans are excited about something, we can't help but tell other people. Right? Like, I'm, like when Spider-Man came out, dude, I was like boosting out of the theater. I was like, all right, who needs to hear about this movie? And then everyone was like, no, I haven't seen it. I'm like, dude, it's been two days. Are you serious? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, you're like, bro, I got the new, I got my new PR on my bench press, dude. And you're just like telling everyone. You're like, yeah. Or your new skincare routine is making your skin look all perfect. Or your thrift find that you got. I found a pair of Jordans for like 30 bucks one time. And, uh, and I told everyone for like two weeks, and not a single person cared. <laughs> I cared, though, and it was great. But when we're excited about something, we can't help but tell people. What I found, though, and, I, and I'm talking more to the Christians in the room, okay? If you're a believer, what I found in my own life, and oftentimes in the life of a lot of people around me, is that when it comes to Christianity... We, we want to wait for other people to bring it up. You know what I mean? We're like, you know, I'm going to let them come to me and talk about it. I'm not going to say anything until they say something. But if as Christians we're supposed to emulate Jesus, he came to seek the lost. Not passively just looking like me waiting for my keys to come back to me. We came to seek those that are lost. And what if in 2022 we committed to seeking those people? What if we committed to not just waiting for them to come to us, but going out and reaching the people that don't know that all of the things the world is providing them is not going to get them what they need? What if... So as we're talking about that, I think this passage brings up three questions for us. And the first one is, am I just passing through? In verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. Now this wouldn't be that weird of a thing. Jesus was a rabbi. This wouldn't be that weird of a thing for a rabbi to do. You see, rabbis, they were like the pastors of the time. They knew, like, Levitical law, and they were, they were like really perfect. They would, they would be like spiritual leaders. But a lot of the rabbis in the day, they kind of had like a, like a highbrow kind of attitude. They didn't want to be with people who were sinners. I mean, they were sinners, but, you know, they just didn't admit it. And even when they would walk in public, they would like take their robes, and they'd like hold them in because they're like, oh, man, not even my clothes can touch a sinner, right? Oh, my gosh, I'm rolling my eyes at that one, man. So they wouldn't want to pass through a town like Jericho because Jericho wasn't like Jerusalem, which was like the spiritual center of Israel. Think of like, you know, like the Bible Belt, right? There's like churches on every corner, like there's a Bible in every home. That's how Jerusalem was. Jericho wasn't like that. Jericho was more like L.A. or Las Vegas or New York City. It was like a commerce hub. That's why the chief tax collector lived there because it was more for people who were interested in making money rather than people who are interested in, in religion. 
And Jesus had even more reason to pass through this town. Because he was going to Jerusalem. And he was on his way to, you know, fulfill some like couple hundred year old, you know, prophecy, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, he had to like go be crowned like king of Israel, stuff like that. Just, you know, minor things. So not only culturally would he not have passed through as a rabbi, but he had an important thing to go and do. So why do we see that, in fact, he stops there for the night? He stops in Jericho, and we find the answer in verse 2. I just held up three. Verse 2. <laughs> now a man named Zacchaeus was there. He had an important destination. He had a lot of things that he could go and do. He could have gone a quicker route. He could have passed around Jericho, but there was a man named Zacchaeus who was there. And Jesus was not content with just getting to the end. So many times in Scripture we see him walking and seeking and looking from side to side wherever he goes for people that are lost. He's not content with his destination. He's, he's seeking on his way there. And I can't help but feel like a lot of the places that I've been in the past few years, the important places that I've been, things that I've done, I can't help but feel like I'm just passing through. I'm not looking. I'm not seeking. I'm just passing through. I'm trying to get to my destination. Or I don't want to be in the place, right? God, why did you send me here? Albuquerque? Really? UNM? I'm like, you know, I'm like more like Harvard. You know what I'm saying? God, don't you know I have someplace important to be? I have to graduate, man. I got to put my head in these books. And I have to get this done because I have an important place to be. No, God, I just got to clock out. I'm just trying to get through the day. I don't care about what's around me. Or like I was the dude who was like, you know, like headphones in, world out, like in between all my classes, you know what I mean? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus shows up on the scene asking who God is seeking. He says, God, who's looking for you here? God, who am I looking for? And then his eyes lock with Zacchaeus who's in the tree. And God says, that one. And Jesus says, okay. And when we ask the same question, God, who are you seeking and who is seeking you? Yeah, we found, we found that God has already been seeking them the whole time. And maybe the reason that they are there and maybe the reason that I'm there at the same time is because he wants to use me as an instrument in order to reach the person that he's seeking. And maybe the reason that you're in the place that you are and maybe the reason that you had to go through Jericho is because there's someone who's lost. And you guys ended up in the same place because God wants to use you as an instrument to reach them. So we got to be bold, right? He made you just for this. God made you to reach the people around you. And if God made me for this, maybe there's someone that needs to hear this because I'm here. Maybe that's the reason why I'm here. And we all Hello. 
There we go. God, show me where to look. Where do I need to look? God will point your eyes in the direction of the person who's seeking answers. God will point you in the direction of the person who's seeking him. So we ask the second question. What do I think seeking looks like? Because there was a whole lot of people who were there with Zacchaeus. There's a ton of people in the crowd. And I'm sure they knew Zacchaeus. They grew up with him. It was a small town. It's not like this insanely huge city. They all knew who he was. And I can't even imagine what they're thinking and saying about him. No, you can't let Zacchaeus through. No, no, no. Don't let him see Jesus. That's my miracle. He's just trying to get ahead again. Because that's all he's been doing. Don't let Zacchaeus in. Don't you know he's a sinner? Don't let him see him. He can't be seeking Jesus. And they made it clear in their words what they thought about him. In verse 7, when Jesus went into their house, it says, when the people saw it, they all complained. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner? They're mad that the person who arguably needed Jesus the most in that place was going to be with him. Yet on the inside, he was the only one in the crowd that knew that he was lost because we read in the next passage that he had repented of everything that was inside. He had been giving money back to people. Have you ever hit the shuffle button on Netflix? And you get a random movie. And it pops on your screen, and you're like, oh my gosh, this looks horrible. <laughs> and the title, oh, that's so uninspiring. I'm here for like the A23 film that's going to make me cry. And then you go ahead and just watch it anyway, and it's amazing. You've heard Don't Judge a Book by its cover. They were judging Zacchaeus by what was on the outside. And they were deciding for him whether he was seeking Jesus or not. And I couldn't help but ask myself this question after that is, who in my life have I written off? Who have I said, no, no, no. I know God. I know I could witness. I, I know that I could just talk to them. They're not seeking you, though. Yet all it would take was me inviting them one time or even just listening to them. But I've completely written them off. Do I think, oh man, before I talk to somebody, I need to know that they're open to the idea. You know, I could talk to that person. I'm just going to like hint and see if they're open to the idea of Christianity first. Or do I realize that I have no control of what's on the inside of anybody, nor am I the judge of it? I don't get to decide that. I'm just looking for people. I'm not a gatekeeper. We're just here to point it in a direction. We're just here to point to a savior. It's funny as I'm talking to one of the other pastors here on staff about this passage this week. It's kind of like, oh, like who are we in this passage? You know, like, like are we seeking like Jesus or, you know, like are we, are we the crowd? Are we Zacchaeus? And um, Drew Voss, he's the West Side pastor. He looks at me and he's like, dude, we're the tree. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're the freaking tree, dude. 
Because our job is to just provide a perspective for someone so that way they can see the person that can save them. We just elevate what they can see so that way they can see Jesus. And we just be a freaking tree. So we don't pass through, okay? We seek. We let God show us who is seeking him, and, and, and we don't really, we don't decide that. We don't make the mental note, no, God. But what do I do when I actually find them? I'm seeking, I'm like emulating God, I'm trying to do what Jesus did. But what the heck do I do when I actually find somebody, right? Do I awkwardly present the entirety of the Bible to them? Do I hand them like Geisler's systematic theology book? Do I debate them with apologetics? Do I stand somewhere and yell at someone I've never met and tell them that if they don't repent, they're going to go to hell? When I meet this person who's lost, do I need to save them? Do I need to convince them of the gospel? And if they don't believe, is it all on me? Am I responsible? Let's go ahead and read verse 9 really quickly. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household. And I know that salvation came to that household because, you know, Jesus brought salvation. And Zacchaeus believed in him, so Jesus brought it. But even more than that, Jesus is salvation. Jesus is the Savior of the world. It's not just something that he did, it's his identity. He saved you. It's part of who he is. And I think it's so cool to think about it this way, is that when he said, salvation came to this household, 